0: I want to thank Brother Schmidt for carrying the burden of this men's, men's conference, and I know each of you men really appreciate uh, what's being done year after year here in putting this together and praying over it and organizing and all those things, and Brother Schmidt, thank you for your heart for revival, your heart for our homes, our churches, and for our preachers, and uh, just a wonderful conference and uh, so many people involved, of course, but I, I thank the Lord for his leadership uh, in this conference. And Pastor Rogers, thank you for allowing us to use your church and uh, housing and and uh, hosting this meeting and uh, what, a, what a sacrifice that is for his people. And uh, long after we roll out of here today, they'll be cleaning and getting ready for services tomorrow. And uh, thank the Lord for that. And the music has been outstanding. I'll tell you what, I... I uh, I was thinking about whether I should say this or not, but I preach a men's conference every year in another state, and uh, they they have great they have they have great food they have great uh, fellowship everything's pretty much like this one except the music their music is horrible they don't have a. <laughs> They don't have one guy that can sing in that place. I mean, it's terrible. The congregational singing is terrible. They don't have anybody to lead it. And uh, uh, for years, we've laughed about it, how terrible the music is. And, and it gets worse every year. And, uh, and I can't help it. I can't do anything for them in that way. But uh, uh, Brother Reed, uh, great job. Brother Kenny, of course, uh, uh, just uh, love to hear men sing. And uh, love to hear it uh, from their heart. And it's just been good all the way around. And I appreciate each of you men coming. And uh, uh, it's it's so important that we go back home different, uh, that we let God change our lives. And I know that He has done a work. What we do with that work that He's done is what's going to be important in the days ahead. So take your Bible. Let's go to Judges, chapter thirteen. Judges chapter thirteen. I know many of you have a uh, a drive ahead of you, and so I'm not going to be long, but. Uh, I want to be challenged one more time from God's Word this afternoon in Judges chapter 13. The last two verses of this chapter summarize a man's life that we know well, a man by the name of Samson. The Bible says in verse 24 of chapter 13, And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson. The child grew, and the Lord blessed him. The Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Time is our brief opportunity to fulfill God's purpose for our life. Time. There is no time in eternity, there's no calendar. In heaven, there's no clock. There's no such thing as time in heaven or hell. Time, as we know it, is our brief opportunity to fulfill God's purpose for our life. One day, time will end. That opportunity to fulfill God's purpose will be over see, God has uniquely designed each man in this room for a purpose. I think of what God said to Jeremiah in chapter 1. He said, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before Jeremiah was even conceived, God had a plan. While still in the womb, God had a purpose. I think of what Paul said in Galatians 1 about himself. He said, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Paul understood that before he ever knew anything about himself, God knew everything about him. And had a plan for his life. And God has a plan for you. He had a plan for Samson. In fact, if you go back in chapter 13, look at verse number 3. This is God now speaking to Samson's parents. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine or strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. God had designed, God had created Samson for a single purpose. He was to be this judge, this deliverer, this man that would cause the people of Israel to be free from their chief enemy, the Philistines. God had a specific plan. God has a specific plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. The psalmist said, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, when I was curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in, in thy book all my members were written when, and, and, and were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. The psalmist understood that even as he was being formed there in his mother's womb, God already had everything written in a book about his life. Had it all planned out, all purposed out. God has a purpose for your life. So let me ask you something. Look at your life right now. November 5th, 2022. Maybe you look at your life, you say, I'm, I'm 16 years old. Perhaps you look at your life right now, this moment, and say, I'm, I'm 25 years old, or I'm 50 years old. Have you fulfilled God's purpose to this point? God has a purpose. We may think, well, I have plenty of time for that. I'll I'll get to that right now I'm a teenager, right now I'm just starting out in life, I, I have some important things right now, I, I, I want to get married or I, I am married and I want to start a family or I, I've started a family and I'm busy, my business, uh, uh, maybe as a, as a pastor we're, we're thinking I, I've got a lot of things going right now but we may not have much more time to fulfill God's purpose. David Brainerd went to Yale around 1739. His freshman year, his body began to give indication that it was wearing out, coughing up blood, the early signs of tuberculosis. Brainerd had a passion, however, for God, and under the preaching of Whitfield and others, he was stirred to do something with his life for God. He got in a little trouble at Yale, however. As revival began to sweep across that school, some of the professors and others were unmoved. Brainerd was quick to speak out about the deadness, the coldness, Of even some of the professors, he called one of the men, uh, he said he has about as much grace as a chair. That got him expelled. None of the churches wanted him. He was rejected. So he took to preaching to some of the Indians there in the Northeast, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Eastern New York. Eventually, he ended up in New Jersey, where he probably did his best work among the Indians there, kept a journal of many of the great revivals that began to sweep through those Indian people as he preached faithfully God's Word. Sickness, however, was not foreign to David Brainerd, his body wearing out quickly. He finally went and joined up with his good friend, Jonathan Edwards, It was Edwards that, during that time, encouraged Brainerd to write more of his experiences as a missionary among those Indians. David Brainerd was engaged to be married, the love of his life, but it never happened. You see, David Brainerd's time was only 29 years His opportunity. Gone. Thankfully, those writings have inspired many. He used his life to the maximum for God. He fulfilled the very purpose that God had created him for. It was men like Adnaram Judson upon reading those journals, was moved to become a missionary. Jim Elliott, the same. David Brainerd's life lives on today, although it was only 29 years long. He fulfilled the purpose of God for his life. How about us? We may think we have plenty of time to get to God's part, to get to God's purpose for our life. Samson should have been one of the greatest success stories in the Bible. He was one that if you were to study his life early on, you would say, this is a man most likely to succeed. God's hand was upon him even before his birth. God had set him apart. God had designated him to be this deliverer to the nation. But I want you to see in this closing message today some series of steps that turn victory into defeat. We see a divine plan in Samson's life, as we read a moment ago. God had designated him from before his birth as this next judge. And his parents took that that instruction from God very seriously. His, His mother was to drink no wine. She was to eat no unclean meat. Samson was placed under this Nazarite vow. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 6. He was to drink no wine, nor liquor of grapes, no moist grapes or dried. He was to eat nothing of the vine. No razor should come upon his head. He was to touch nothing dead. Basically, the Nazarite vow is summed up in Numbers 6 and verse 8 where this person was to be holy unto the Lord. Now, you and I are not under a Nazarite vow this afternoon, but it ought to be our desire to be holy unto the Lord. While we are not under some kind of a restrictive code that God has placed over our life in that sense of a Nazarite vow, yet it ought to be our desire to be holy even as he is holy. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's, as obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to our former lust and our ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be holy even as I am holy. Oh, I know we hear a lot about grace today. We hear a lot about liberty today, and I can live however I want to. I'm saved, I'm forgiven, so it doesn't matter how I live. But Titus chapter 2, in verse 12, talks about that grace that has saved us. And then in verse number 12, that grace teaches us something. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. And While we can make excuses for the culture and we can say, well, yeah, but we're living in 2022 and it's okay if I drink a little bit or it's okay if I experiment with some drugs or it's okay if I cheat on my wife or that's just what everybody's doing. I have liberty. Well, whether you're reading Titus 2.12 in the first century or the 21st century, it's still this present world. God wants us to be that chosen generation, that royal priesthood, that holy nation, that peculiar people that is showing forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light which were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil among you, they may by your good works glorify God in the day of visitation. God has a divine plan for our life, and that plan is not happiness, that plan is holiness. But we see this divine plan produced a demonstrated power. Samson's parents took the command of holiness seriously. They, they followed the orders. and Samson's early life, there are no incidents of any violation of the vow. In Judges chapter 13, if you look at verse 24 of this chapter, the Bible says that This woman bare a son, and verse 25, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. What a powerful statement. God's hand was upon Samson, and now God is moving him at times to do these amazing things. In fact, let's let's look at them. Look at chapter 14 and verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. This guy, under the power of God, takes this lion and rips him in half. I don't know what would possess a man to even think about doing that. But you see, this was God's power. This was the demonstrated power of God upon his life because he had been set apart for God to use. We go on in chapter 14 in verse 19. The Bible says uh, in verse 19, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which had expounded the riddle. He got himself in a little bit of trouble here. He, he threw out this riddle and, and, and they answered the riddle. And so now he had lost the, the bet, as you please. And, and so he needs 30 changes of raiment. And so he goes and kills 30 Philistines and takes their clothes and pays up. In verse 4 of chapter 15, we read, And Samson went and caught 300 foxes. Have you ever caught one? He caught 300 and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between the two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks and the standing corn and the vineyards and the olives. In chapter 15, and verse 7, Samson said to them, Though ye have done this, yet I will be avenged of you, and after that I will cease." And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt in the top of the rook of the rock Edom. In verse thirteen, they spake unto him, saying, "No, but we will we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand. But surely we will not kill thee." And they bound him with two new cords and brought uh, and, uh, which they had brought and brought him up from the rock. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that were burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. In chapter 15 and verse 15, he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. In chapter 16, verse 2, was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all that night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we will kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that was before Hebron. Amazing feats of strength. And by the way, I don't think Samson was this Herculean-looking guy. I don't think he was one of these middle linebacker types. They didn't know where his strength was. They couldn't figure it out. I don't think Samson in his physique looked any differently than most of us in this room. He was just an ordinary looking guy. But you see, this this divine plan of God now was being manifested in his life through a demonstrated power. And ladies and gentlemen, don't ever take for granted the power of God upon your life. It took the power of God to save you. Whether you were saved as a Six-year-old kid in Sunday school, it took every bit of God's blood on that cross to to save your soul as it did somebody that was saved at 40 out of a life of terrible sin. Don't take for granted the power of God. Gentlemen, if he's using you in some way, whether as a pastor, whether as a lay person, no matter what your role, thank God he's using you. Because we see, thirdly, uh distorted purpose each of us no matter how blessed we have been in the past still have a flesh your flesh didn't get saved when you got saved your flesh is still the flesh And while we have a, a new spirit living within us we have the holy spirit's power within us we know that we are in a constant battle with our flesh the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 7, I, uh, he said, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, and the evil that I would not that I do. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Back and forth he goes, and he, he sums it up really in Galatians chapter 5, where he said, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Most of us have had the Holy Spirit of God speak to our heart in this conference in one of these services and and we intend with every good intention to go home and make a difference in our family and make a difference in our church tomorrow and make a difference for God with our life but I'm telling you you're not going to be able to do the things that you would if the flesh is in control we have a flesh we have an old nature and we see now in Samson's life a distorted purpose he has all of this power upon him because of God's plan in his life. And yet now this purpose becomes distorted. Go back, look at chapter 14 and verse 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me for, to wife. And his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She pleaseth me well. Oh, the flesh. Now a disregard for the authority in his life of his parents, a disregard for the will of God. Disregard for the purpose of God in his life, we go to verse eight of chapter 14, and after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, the one that he had rent in two. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion, and he took thereof in his hands and went on eating another violation of the Nazarite vow: to touch no dead animal. But he's hungry. The flesh. I need something to eat. He sees the lion that he'd slain and now the bees have made a a honeycomb there and the the lion's carcass and he touches that dead body. Chapter 16, verse 1, Samson went to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her, that hardly seems like part of God's purpose. I don't think that was in the plan. We finally come to the end of chapter 16. If you look at verse 16, and it came to pass when she, Delilah, pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart. And said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head. Remember, he's talking to a Philistine woman. Part of the enemy. Part of the people he's supposed to deliver the nation of Israel from. He's now telling her all his heart. He said, I've been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me. And I shall become weak, be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has, shared me, he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man. and She caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. She said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord departed from him. A distorted purpose. Samson's life is characterized by occasional victories over the enemy here and there. Kills a few of them here, a few of them there. It's kind of a thorn in their flesh from time to time, sending these foxes through their fields, burning their crops. His life is characterized by occasional victories, but it's filled with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Samson is a man driven by human desires, He's driven by anger. He's driven by revenge rather than God's purpose for his life. You could characterize Samson's life as being reactionary rather than intentional. How would we characterize your life or mine? Oh, at the men's conference. We react to the preaching. We react positively toward the messages. We react positively toward the fellowship with other good Christian men. We react positively to the things of God because we're here in this environment, but then we go home. And we pull out our phone or we get on our social media or we turn on the television set. Now we're simply reacting to what's feeding the flesh once again. Are we going to live the rest of our life as Samson? Just reacting to whatever the catalyst is around us? Or will we be determined to be intentional about God's plan for our life? We determined that perhaps this time as we leave the two-minute warning conference that we will go home with an intention to fulfill God's purpose in the time we have. Samson's life closes with a desperate prayer. Verse number 20, he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. It's interesting, he gets in this crisis now. He awakens out of sleep. He sees the locks of his hair on the floor. He knows that he has violated this important part of the vow. But the Bible says he shook himself. He said, I'll go out as at other times before. I can handle this. I've carried away the whole gate of a city. I've ripped a lion in two. I caught 300 foxes. I slew a 1,000 men with a jawbone of an ass. I can do this. But without me, you can do nothing. You see, the moment we step out of the purpose of God, we are weak. We are helpless. We are hopeless. We can't afford, gentlemen, to lose the power of God. We can't afford to lose the blessing of God. Your wife, your children, they're depending on you to have the power of God. They're depending on you, gentlemen, to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. Pastor, your congregations are waiting for you to come back in the purpose of God fulfilling the will of God. Verse 21, the Philistines took him, put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Albeit the hair of his head began to grow after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their god. And to rejoice, for they said, "Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand." And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, "Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us." And it came to pass when their hearts were merry, that they said, "Call for Samson that he may make us sport." And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, And they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. There were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that behold, while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember I pray thee and strengthen me, I pray thee only this once, O God. That I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, and of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, "Let me die with the Philistines." And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death, were more than they which he slew in his life. Samson accomplished more of the will of God through a selfish suicide than he ever did with his life. The will of God was to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Yeah, he killed a few of them here and a few of them there. But he accomplished more of God's plan for his life in his death by suicide than he ever did with his life. We will never know what God wanted to do through Samson. We'll never know. But the question is, will we ever know what God wanted to do with yours? I believe with every fiber in my body, or I wouldn't be here, that God wants to send revival. I have no doubt about that. but I wonder if we'll see it. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. God's not willing that any perish. There are 8.3 billion perishing. He's not willing that any perish. How many will be saved? God's will that churches be planted, mission fields reached, Bibles translated, will we ever see it? Will we ever know what God intended for the Christians, the churches of the 21st century? Or, well, like Samson, we always wonder what could have been done, what could have happened if some men had taken the time that God gave them to accomplish His purpose for their life. He has a plan for yours. Teenager, He knows what He wants you to do with your life. Single adult, he's got a plan. Dad, he's got a plan. Pastor, he's got a plan. Will we ever know what that plan was? That's sort of up to us, isn't it? We have a choice. We can simply react or we can live intentionally in the perfect and complete will of God. Let's pray together.